Good morning, everybody. I'm Vincenzo Calla, president of OHSCA, and we are glad that you are able to join us today for this great interview. Today, we are honoured to have the MP for Portage Lisgar and the deputy leader of the Conservative Party of Canada joining us, the Honourable Candice Bergen. Candice is a lifelong resident of Manitoba, where she has worked in both business and politics. She has worked in the financial planning industry and was the Manitoba campaign manager for Stephen Harper's leadership bid for the Conservative Party of Canada a while back. She was first elected in 2008 and has been re-elected three times since then. In 2013, she was appointed Minister of Social Development by Prime Minister Harper. And in 2016, she was appointed as the Conservative House Leader by Interim Conservative Leader Rona Ambrose. In 2020, Erin O'Toole chose Candace to be the Deputy Leader of the Conservative Party of Canada and of the official opposition, obviously. And outside of politics, she has dedicated time to her community, notably working with many young people and youth groups around her riding. Thank you, Candace, for joining us today. Great to be with you, Vincenzo. Thank you for having me. And like I said, we are glad to have you today and all the members, thank you for joining us today. And we always like to start off with a question and answer period where we ask four questions asked by our high school members from across Ontario and across Canada. So question one comes from Jack in Milton and he asks, deputy leader is an important role in opposition, but obviously being in opposition, the ultimate goal is to become government. So what do you think the key is to the CPC winning an election? Well, I think that's a great question and something that I know we're talking about a lot as a caucus and uh, with our leader, Aaron O'Toole. I think this next elect election will definitely be an election about the finances and the economy of our country. Who is best positioned to manage uh, the economy, especially coming out of COVID? So when you look at all the money that has been spent by the Liberal government, and certainly, you know, when COVID hit, people needed help but they've racked up such deficit uh, that I think a lot of Canadians coming out of COVID are gonna be saying, who can re-attract investment? Who can create jobs? Who can get the economy back on track? And at a certain point, have a plan to balance the budget uh, in a reasonable way. So I think for conservatives, we have to show Canadians that we continue to be the party that is most responsible with taxpayers' dollars. Uh, and I think another big issue will definitely be, be corruption. Canadians are really tired of the corruption uh, of the Liberals rewarding their friends, uh, covering things up. So we're going to be presenting a five-point plan that will secure Canada's future. It will secure Canada's jobs. Uh, it will secure our economy. It will secure mental health, which is something that's really important right now, uh, and secure accountability. So it's just presenting that plan to Canadians, communicating with them, and giving them a reason to see that we are a responsible government in waiting. Exactly. And we've talked with so many of our, our guests that we've had on the show, many of your colleagues, a lot of candidates that hope to join you and join you in the House of Commons. And I've discussed with many of them how this is a new uh, a new step in the conservative journey in Canada. I mean, Erno Tool is a different leader as every single leader brings something different to the to the party. And he has a strong plan that he has talked about in the past little while since he's become uh, since he was elected leader back in last summer and I think that our party with a lot of with the leader obviously a strong leader and strong MPs like yourself and like so many others that joined us can show the the country that 
you are ready to lead once more. And you mentioned also the the ongoing failures of this government. And it's just unbelievable that we can't even get vaccines in our country without a, something happening, without something going wrong. That just shows that there's been a couple of times that Trudeau has screwed up massively in the pandemic, including the WE scandal and vaccines and so many more. So it really is unbelievable. Yeah, you're right, Vincenzo. And the fact that Trudeau's first go-to to get vaccines for Canadians was the communist China regime, uh, a regime that we uh, has, have, have two of our, our Canadian citizens hostage, um, have just shown that they can't be trusted. And he went to them and obviously that didn't work. And that made us really far back in terms of getting vaccines. Um, you know, you look at places like the US, they're, they're opening up, you know, their stadiums are full, their uh, restaurants are full, businesses are open. And here in Canada, we're being warned there could be a fourth wave and it's it's because we're not getting vaccines on time. So you're right, Trudeau has really messed up a, a lot of things. And the fact is he, he doesn't have a strong cabinet. He doesn't have a strong team around him. And we've seen the evidence of that with, uh, with a lot of failures and Canadians pay the price for that ultimately. It really is a concern and it's something that Canadians need to remember when we go back to the polls. Well, when the adults in Canada go back to the polls and it's really is something that, like you said, is concerning and something that needs to be fixed soon. And hopefully people decide to, to elect, like we said with Peter Kent a while back and back to 2011, a strong, stable conservative government once more. Yes, yes. So so question two comes from Mackenzie in Burlington, and it's kind of a big uh, question, but we can get through it with, uh, with a couple of points. So uh, Mackenzie asks, do you believe that the first past the post voting system in Canada could be inefficient or unfair at some times? And if so, what system do you think would work better if you believe that it may not be the best system right now? Well, um, that is a, that's another good question, and I think probably something that a lot of students are talking about. Maybe even in school, you're talking about it. Um, you know, I know Trudeau promised his he was elected in 2015, and he said it would be the last first past the post uh, election. And then he had to backtrack on that because the fact is, what he really wanted was a type of system that would benefit him. So, if it was uh, preferential ballots, uh, that would help liberals more than anybody and he backtracked on that very quickly. I happen to believe first past the post, although not perfect, is the best system, especially for a country like Canada. I, I, have, I see examples in Europe, uh, Israel for example, where there's there are in continual election cycles because uh, coalitions are, aren't able to last and every time there's a difference in in direction, there's a splinter and another election is called. So I happen to think it is it is the best uh, system. And uh, as I said, not perfect, still the best. So my vote has always been to keep first past the post and um, you know make sure that as many people are engaged as possible, that uh, young people especially are encouraged to vote and are, I guess, made, made aware of how important it is and how in some countries, and I've said this to a group of students I was visiting, grade four students actually a few weeks ago, that in some countries when they're allowed to vote, like Afghanistan, for example, their lives were at risk because they went to vote. And yet 90 some percent of them was either in Iraq or, um, or Afghanistan. I can't remember which the example was. It was a huge voter turnout, even though their lives were at risk because they knew how important it was. 
And here in Canada, when we have, you know, 50, 60% voter turnout, I think that's concerning and where young people and adults realize that it is actually their duty to vote. Educate yourself, find the party you're most aligned with and vote. And so I think that's something we could do a better job of uh, educating kids on why, why it's important to vote. Well, that's what we try to do at OHSCA. Obviously, it's one of our biggest things, obviously. But we just want to get lots of young people involved and see what we can do with our political system. I mean, we are the future. I mean, secure the future. That's us. <laughs> that's the future of Canada. And we are the ones that get to make the decision in who is going to lead us and what the next two, three, four, five years will look like and what the future down the line will look like and I think that's a good point that you made how although it's not perfect Canada I really like our our political system here I think that it's a good mix of everything we have we have the I I've talked with so many people about this teachers students and everything and I always compare Canadian and U.S. politics and I always say I really like how Canada is because of our system of electing MPs and having a representative for your riding and choosing who will represent you. I feel that it's a good balance of everything. Well, you know what's really cool too, you're right, but one, one of the things that I love about our Conservative Party is we don't relegate um, our young members to kind of the youth wing. And I know we've always, there's always this upcoming discussion, uh, the discussion in um, convention, should we have a youth wing? And, you know, it's funny, I mean, isn't even as a woman, I don't like you know, the women's groups or the pink book, or, you know, I'm an equal. I don't need to have a separate group to represent me. And I think a lot of young conservatives feel the same way. And so a young conservative, if you're 14 or 44 or 84, when you are at on an EVA, whether you're voting on a local board level, whether you're voting in convention, you are equal. Whether you're voting in a leadership race, you are equal. And so a 14 year old has much power and influence and the ability to impact policy and leadership. In fact, even choosing the next Prime Minister of Canada, as I said, you know, the 44 or 84 year old Conservative member. So I like that about our party and I, uh, I hope it continues. Oh, me too. I mean, the thing with youth wings is that we see it in so many other parties that it ends up becoming more of an entitlement type thing where it's, I've been part of it for this many years. And we see it in politics too, for a to a lesser extent, well, maybe a little bit more, but we see it becomes more of a, I deserve to be at this sort of thing. Whereas if there's no official youth wing, you just get to get involved like everybody else, like you said. And that leads more room for groups like OHSCA and other groups, youth groups that are independent. And we get to talk about all politics, about federal and provincial and everything. We get to sort of do a different thing while also supporting the party as one of those members that has equal balance as you do in the party or as a person who's been in the party for who knows how many years has. And you know, the other part of it, I tell young people this a uh, lot is the um, potential in, when you get involved politically, the potential to uh, move very quickly, whether you might start out volunteering for a candidate who wins or maybe moves up in government and all of a sudden the person that you've been volunteering for over the years uh, becomes a pretty prominent minister in a sitting government. And so if you have proven yourself, you then are trusted by that individual. And um, you know, there's an ability to really move quickly through kind of through the ranks 
whether you want to work in politics, whether you want to run yourself. And I know some advice I give to people, including young people, is if you want to work in politics, you know, I look at my own background and how I got involved. Uh, you know, I, I just went to a board meeting as a volunteer and I thought, listen, I'm, I'm part of this group. I at least should show up. So I always say to young people, show up. You wouldn't believe what happens when you actually show up at an AGM, show up at a meeting and get on the board. And, you know, and then the other thing that I did was kind of did the work that a lot of other people didn't want to do. So I, I always tell young people, volunteer to do those jobs that maybe aren't too glamorous, you know, with the pounding and the signs, the making the phone calls, you know, maybe doing editing on the computer, um, do that kind of work. And then my third piece of advice is under promise and over deliver. So if you tell your board that you're going to make 20 calls, make 30 calls. You know, if you tell a candidate that you're going to knock on doors with them for two hours, knock on doors with them for four hours. So, you know, those are just three kind of simple things that I found in my life have helped me overall, but also for sure in politics, uh, really makes an impression. It makes a strong impression. And there's a lot of opportunity for young people in the conservative movement, uh, especially uh, politically speaking. And exactly. And we'll touch on it again, obviously, later in our in our next segment. But that'll be a just a little bit longer before we get there about conservative youth involvement. But I think that was a good thing to touch on. I mean, there's so many opportunities, especially during election time and even not during election time. There's so many opportunities. And like you said, they may not be the glamorous of job, most glamorous of jobs, but sometimes they may be the best experiences you have. I mean, uh, last week we talked with Lisa Thompson, who's a Ontario minister, um, Ontario provincial minister. And she was telling us this great story about how, uh, about when she was young and she was getting involved in politics and going to pound in signs and there was this thing where she fell into a ditch because like she had to use the boards but stepped off too far and that's some of the experiences that you'll remember and that'll create a a sort of a, a base in in your involvement exactly some of the best friends i've made <clears throat> excuse me have been through through politics and people I would never have met or even become friends with. I met through campaigning and helping candidates. And uh, it's been a very, very rewarding experience, even apart from obviously being a member of parliament and deputy leader and how I've been able to grow in this role. But I never entered politics thinking I would be a member of parliament. I just got involved because I couldn't stand what I was seeing the liberals doing. It was under Paul Martin. And I just knew if I don't do something, how can I complain about it? And it's been amazing and rewarding. And um, you know, convention when we have convention again, and you can go to convention, uh, vote on policy with other conservatives. It is just uh, an amazing, amazing experience. Well, the next convention is going to be in a couple of years, Quebec City, 2023. So hopefully, we can get there in person yes. by then. I would hope that we can gather in person and talk with everybody, talk with members from. BC or Ontario or Newfoundland, just talk with everybody. So the third question comes from Evan, who's actually in Ottawa, and he asks, what do you think that the Conservative Party can do to improve their communications and social media presence? And we know that you're uh, on social media a lot. I mean, that video of you talking about China in the House of Commons went viral recently, and I, I loved that clip. I mean, we see a lot of social media. We're on social media all the time. And what do you think that the party can do to get more people engaged from social media standpoint? Well, that's something that we are kind of 
wrestling with um, a lot because, you know, it's one thing to get content out that are, are the people who, who are already liking us and support us click on and watch, you know, and that's good. And it's good to get our, our conservative uh, based or people who would typically vote conservative. It's really good to get them uh, excited and, and enjoying, you know, when we, we give Trudeau a really tough question and, you know, a bit of a, of a slap down for lack of a better uh, terminology, you know, a lot of, uh, of our people like that. And that's really, that's good. But I know we're also wanting to reach people who normally wouldn't vote conservative. And so we want to make sure that we're speaking in, in, in a way and using language and being uh, in a mindset where people are not feeling that we're just being political or attacking, but that we're being sincere and genuine. And so you, I think you, you'll see Aaron and you've seen Aaron doing a lot, Aaron O'Toole doing a lot of, of you know, sharing his experiences, sharing his family, sharing what, what motivates him. And um, it was funny, he got the, the woke got a little upset with him recently because he came back from a run and said his wife, Rebecca, had brought him a beer. And they were like, oh, my goodness, you know, how dare you say your wife brought you a beer? And, you know, every and I think it was Evan, Evan Solomon that yeah. you know, decided that was going to be a thing. And it backfired because most people said, well, that's what when you love someone, you do kind things for them. And, and then, then his he, response the next day was great. Yeah, I love that. He brought Rebecca a glass of wine. So, but no, I, I think that we, you know, definitely it's, it's easier to do the stuff that, that our followers like and that conservatives like, but we want to reach past that. And I think Aaron put it so well, and he did a great video um, a couple of days ago, celebrating pride. You know, he wants people to, to look at conservatives and say, Hey, I've never voted conservative, but I actually, I can see myself as a conservative, whether they're gay or straight, whether whatever ethnic group they're from, or from rural Canada, urban Canada, you know, new Canadians who have been here for a long time, different age groups. So those are the people that we want to reach. And social media can be hard because it is an echo chamber. And we know even the algorithm algorithms feed that echo chamber. So we're, we're working on it using some experts and then talking about it as well. But I mean, I, I think people like you can also give us some ideas and input on how we can do that better. Well, that's definitely something that we at OHSC have a lot of experience in. And, and I mean, that's how we started. That's what we, that's where we are all the time. I mean, we're always on social media. That's how probably most of you watching this video probably found this video on Instagram or Facebook or not Facebook as much, but Instagram or Twitter. Those are our biggest ones. And you'll see clips from this video on Instagram and TikTok and all those places. And that's really it. And I think that's what the conservative party like we said before the changing way of the conservative party the changing image is one that a lot of people that don't generally vote conservative see themselves in and as Erno O'Toole always does his well he did it a while back his I when you look in the mirror you want to see a conservative that's what I think a lot of people need to sort of we need to recognize that people can find themselves in the conservative party so the fourth question comes from the team, the OHSA team, and we asks, we ask, what has been your favorite experience in Parliament in the past 12, 13 years since you were elected in 2008? Uh, wow, I, uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I've had so many. I mean, being in government is, uh, is really, is, was very rewarding when we, uh, we know what Jim Flaherty would, would deliver um, 
really good budgets. Uh, that was that was very rewarding to see how we responded, for example, to the economic downturn in 2008. Um, that was very rewarding. And I would say at a personal level, I introduced a private member's bill early in my, uh, my career to end the wasteful and ineffective long gun registry. And I, I did a lot of work on that, um, found a lot of evidence showing that law-abiding firearms owners are not the cause of the violence and the, the crime that we are seeing, especially in some major cities, that it's gangs and illegal guns that are smuggled in. And so it was very rewarding. I didn't, my private member's bill didn't pass, but it did a couple of things. It exposed some liberal and NDP MPs that were uh, disingenuous and weren't honest with their constituents. And we were then, then able to use that and win some of those seats. So that was very rewarding. And then we won majority in 2011 and in 2012, the government uh, took my bill and we ended the long gun registry. So that, that was very rewarding. Um, I'll tell you though, like uh, it, it is even in opposition, it's been, it's been hard, but we've had some successes. Um, not having parliament sit normally has been very difficult. COVID makes it difficult. And I'll, it, it's really irritating to be honest there are many, many days, most days, in fact, there's not one liberal sitting in the House of Commons. And they're using COVID as an excuse to not do their job. And, you know, they're doing it virtually, but they know good and well that virtually the opposition can't use the tools that we usually have. And I, I feel like if those, these liberal MPs can step out of their house to go to their office or go to the grocery store or pretty well do anything, they should be coming to the House of Commons and do their job as an elected MP. So I'm frustrated they're not there and it, it does make what we're doing in Parliament a, a little harder to achieve, but we're not giving up and we're still having some of those moments like, like the one you referred to where I was able to ask Trudeau about uh, the, the lab in Winnipeg and uh, his cooperation with the communist China regime military when it comes to our, uh, our research. Exactly, and I, I do find it concerning sometimes that uh, that, like you said, that the prime minister doesn't show up to the House of Commons for for a long period of time. And it is concerning considering he is the leader of the country. I mean, he was the elected uh, person to be the prime minister, to lead our country, one of the G7 nations. And last year he was quarantining for like a long time. I mean, quarantine obviously is a is a valid issue but not for months at a time and he was in his cottage for a long time last year and it really is concerning and obviously with covid like you mentioned we can we can't really do everything that we used to do and you you as an elected official can't do everything you used to be able to but it there are limits to what you can push and the government pushes those limits way too far sometimes and we see as deputy leader as well you get to have a lot of experiences you have those memories of of conservative mps that have been in the past and uh the late jim flaherty you mentioned he was definitely a great minister in in the government and obviously in the conservative team everyone misses him at times and well not at times but always misses him and there's always so many people that keep the conservative name going so that people like Jim Flaherty who have a legacy in the conservative party that legacy can live on with other conservative MPs who who fight in the House of Commons for what really is right so our next segment is the last segment called 
uh, advice for the next generation. And we speak of young conservatives and how they can get more involved. And I know we touched on it before. And, and also from your standpoint, you talk with a lot of schools, you like you said, you're in a lot of community youth groups. And as deputy leader, what do you think that young high school conservatives can do in order to get more politically active? And what is one piece of advice you would give them? We ask this question to everybody. Okay, well, you're right. I did kind of already answer that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat it because I I do believe it's uh, it's good advice and and it works. So, um, first and foremost, uh, if I'm speaking to conservative uh, young people, make sure you have your membership to the party and that you keep it current, and then go and join your local EDA and get on the board. So that's what I call show up. That's that's the first advice. If you wanna have an impact and be involved, show up. Sitting at home, talking about it, isn't the same as actually, you know, again, this is all after COVID restrictions are lifted and maybe showing up means showing up virtually, but my first piece of advice is show up, get on the board. Second piece of advice is be the first to put your hand up to do the job that others might be hesitant to do because it might not be the most glamorous, it might not look like the most fun, you might not have a title, you know, you might just be doing the job, be the first to offer to do that job. And then thirdly, when you do that job, under promise and over deliver, you know, don't, don't talk about how great you are, just show how great you are and you will impress people and people will remember you. And I can tell you in politics, people talk about, geez, there's this young kid who's working. I met him, you know, volunteering on this campaign and Winnipeg and the guy that, you know, she's a real go-getter and she door knocked with us. Boy, remember her if we ever need somebody to, to do this job or that job. Um, those kinds of reputations really make a big difference. And, and as I said before, before you even know it, the person you might be door knocking for could end up being a minister in a conservative government. And you have already made that, built that relationship and, and had that contact. And then, of course, there's the parts on policy. If you like policy, get on the policy committee. Start talking with others. Uh, and this is where you're going to meet friends and become friends with people who are maybe a lot older than you, but you're going to be their equal. And you're going to be able to talk about policy. Be plan to come to the policy convention. Those are all really good things as well that you can uh, that you can do to get involved. But yeah, those are my three pieces of advice. Show up, do the job nobody else wants to do, under promise and over deliver. Well, that is some great advice. And we hear so much advice from so many people that we've interviewed. You're our 19th interview so far. And we've heard advice from every single person before us. And that is some great advice. Uh, young people, people that are watching this, you heard it right from the conservative, deputy conservative leader, some great advice and follow that advice, especially when things start to ramp up in campaigns and such. And that is it. We thank you, Candace, for joining us today. We really appreciate you having, uh, having you with us today. And we hope you uh, have great experiences going forward. And we thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. And that is it. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. You can look for more interviews coming soon. Make sure to follow our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok accounts at Ontario HS Cons for our next uh, for info about our next interview and so much more content. Make sure to follow, uh, look at our our website, OntarioHSConservatives.org, for everything that you need to know about us. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and click the notification bell so you never miss a video. And we thank you all for coming today. Hope to see you soon. Mm -hmm.